0: Do 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 do
1: Welcome. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting from UBC's campus on the unceded ancestral and traditional Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Saira Unju, and I have a great show today, as always. Also, today is our last show of 2020. So you will not be hearing from us next week or the week after that, for that matter. And honestly, or the week after that or the week after that. (laughs) Basically, December 2nd is our last show of 2020. We will not be coming back until January. You know, winter break is coming and we all need a break but we will be posting on social media on our social media about stuff that's going on during December when we're not having shows so keep an eye out on our social media let me plug those in really quick so our twitter is citr underscore arts report our instagram is arts report citr and our facebook is arts report the arts report on CIGR 101.9 FM, but yes, okay. So today's show is we have two shout outs and then a review, and then we have two more reviews, and then we have two more reviews. <laughs> wow, this show is just a bunch of reviews, isn't it? Also. Very funny, so today's reviews, I have two reviews, Eva has two reviews, and then Olivia has one review, but Eva and I thought that it was just the two of us, so Eva, in her review, she mentions how on today's show, it's just the two of us, but um, apparently it's not, (laughs) because Olivia, um, uh, we, apparently we forgot to put Olivia's review in the schedule, that we all share and then so she sent me the review and I was like what is this (laughs) And, and yeah so it's not just Eva and I Olivia has her short review but yeah before before we get into that short review of Olivia's that will be of roundup we have two shout outs that are very, very, very interesting. So, the first shout-out goes to Tuuk Craft Fair. So, this year, Western Front's annual craft fair, Tuque is being transformed into a vibrant online marketplace that can be experienced directly from your home. What more could you ask for, honestly? doing stuff from your home, that's the best. Western Front is an interdisciplinary artist center in Vancouver. Each year they bring the best in local handmade goods together to support artists in our community. Meeting artists and connecting with what is being made in our community is an important part of what Tuke is. And this year, shoppers can find a cozy spot at home to select the perfect ceramic mug or planter, or beautifully handmade soaps, scents and body products, perfect bags, jewelry and accessories, and so much more. Importantly, it is also an opportunity to support artists and artist-run culture in vancouver artists need your support right now especially during the pandemic it's it's difficult for artists new to Took this year are good beast hayley hunt broadwin kate metton see you soon studio and wolf wolf glass so also if you're following us on instagram you would have seen us post about see you soon studio last year when we were at shiny fuzzy muddy so it's it's great to hear that you know it's part of Two craft this year and uh, it's fun to recognize um artists you know it's always (laughs) It's so cool. It feels more personal. Anyway, so this started yesterday and it's going on until the 6th. I don't know why I said yesterday like that. I apologize. But anyways, it's going on till the 6th and it's all online at twocraftfair.com. That is t o q u e c r a f t f a i r. Com. <laughs> so you're able to browse unique items from the comfort of your own home. It's it's definitely a shame that we're not able to have it in person because it's a great chance to speak to the artists and find out more about their craft and themselves. You get to connect with them. It's such a fun experience. But, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have uh, to connect in, in, in person next year. Wow. Words. I need to use words. Okay, I (laughs) will. Moving on. (laughs) Our next shout out goes to Vancouver Turkish Film Festival unmask your horizons so the seventh annual vancouver turkish film festival is almost here it will be held online between december 16th and 21st vtff is organized by the turkish canadian society and is presented by sfu woodward's culture programs and northwest film forum So, I'm going to read you the press release because it is pretty straightforward and as we just witnessed, I'm not good with words. (laughs) So, although we all miss socializing in movie theaters, we will benefit from the safety of the online film festival and enjoy watching award-winning Turkish movies in our cozy homes while drinking tea or Turkish coffee. VTFF has partnered with America's nonprofit film and art platform, Northwest Film Forum, and online broadcasting platform, Eventive, to ensure the best possible user experience. As in the past, the festival will provide a window into contemporary Turkish cinema and culture, taking place exclusively online and available across Canada. The festival will be showcasing four internationally acclaimed award-winning feature films and ten shorts there will also be a Q&A session with the four filmmakers the you know of the four feature films the filmmakers are Ece Dizdar, Elam Kaftan Kıvanç Sezer and Leyla Yılmaz also important to mention that the Vancouver audience so you guys will choose the best short film and the winner will be receiving the Vancouver audience award you know it's quite exciting imagine having your your short film then win an award it's it's fun especially by the audience it means like the people like it it's fun it's nice it's cool <laughs> okay so you can access the online screenings at vtff.ca uh, again that's december 16th to 21st and that is it for my shout-outs. So, I shall leave you with Olivia's review of Roundup. And after Olivia's review, we're gonna back... We're we're gonna back... We're gonna be back with Eva and her review of the Pack 80 concert and her review of a film that is 18 to Party. And then... After that, I'm going to be back with my review of Theater to Play by Studio 58 and also my review of The 12 Dates of Christmas by The Arts Club. And then at the end, I will be doing a quick like recap of the term, my favorite moments from the term and stuff like that. So stick around to hear those, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. Enjoy, enjoy Olivia's review. It's pretty good. It's really good. Not pretty. It's very good.
0: Hi, everyone. I hope that you have been enjoying your week so far. It's Olivia again, and this week I want to talk about another film from the National Film Board of Canada titled Roundup. This short film by filmmaker Nettie Wilde comes in at just a little over three minutes and documents the lives between cattle, their owners, and the architecture within which they live. The media release describes it as following. In Roundup, Wilde's camera captures a gathering of 20 farm families in BC's Peace River region as they herd thousands of cows into their unique, circular, sunset prairie corral. Designed to calm the cattle rather than box them in, there is not another corral like it in this country. Now, before I get into the film itself, I want to share a quick biography of today's artist. Nettie Wilde is one of Canada's leading documentary filmmakers. Her ability to explore new ways of real-life storytelling has kept her in the forefront of documentary cinema in both form and content. Nettie's critically acclaimed films have brought audiences behind the front lines and headlines of revolutions and social change around the world. Her recent work has gained recognition for forging new frontiers in storytelling on the big screen, on the web, and in large public-scale installations. The film opens with a slow shot from above a circular corral, and as the title comes onto the screen, we're met with a symmetrical shape of this space. The audio sounds as though numerous people are singing a gentle but loud note, and the screen fades to darkness as snow begins to fall in front of us. The filming of this short was clearly taken during the late fall or winter months, and the frequent contrast of the snow compared to the green grass and the brown cows is considerably captivating for such a small detail. It's clear that Wilde's intention of choosing this particular moment in time to film was no accident. There isn't much of a concrete plot. Instead, Wilde's documentary approach shows us visual elements of a timeline unfolding through which we, as viewers, can begin to dissect what's going on. We hear the sound of cowbells and watch their feet traverse through the mud and snow on the ground. We're given glimpses of their heads as they trudge along before the scene unfolds and we see a great herd of cows slowly moving through the wilderness, their bodies contrasting the white of the snowfall on the ground. We can see from the little yellow tags on their ears that these cows are owned by someone, And the following close-up shots of horses and people riding these horses indicates to us that this is, as the title suggests, a roundup. The cows walk towards the camera as the audio shifts from cowbells to the fast speech of an auctioneer. The herd has now reached their corral, as indicated by the added sound of their hooves against the hardening ground and their bodies against the metal fencing. They move in unison, save only for a moment in which we hear a cow yell out, looking defiantly into the camera. This begins a whole series of yells as the cows communicate amongst themselves, bodies pressed tightly together in this enormous crowd. The visuals themselves are beautiful, but I found the sound design to be just as strong. It's overwhelming, but it matches the overwhelming sights being shown. It almost emulates the chaos of the crowd these animals are currently in. The next shot is my favourite in the whole film. Although there are many aforementioned close-ups, Wilde was also sure to include some beautiful aerial scenes as well. We see the corral from above like we did at the beginning, except it's now filled with the herd. They move together like a school of fish underwater, with their great bodies swirling close together, as though following a pattern. The color mixture of their different hides allows you to almost lose the visualization of them as animals. Instead they serve as small fragments of color drifting across your screen. The scene fades into another close shot of a dark brown cow's fur, wet and clumped from the snow melting against its body. It's almost abstract until your eyes adjust, and this change in scene makes the aforementioned lack of distinguishable shape all the more noticeable. At this point, there's about a minute left in Roundup, and Wilde's lens changes its approach as it begins to juxtapose the cattle farmers with their animals. There are scenes in which a cow head ends and a human head begins, with the camera zoomed in close enough to create an almost blurred effect between the two of them. This is merely a trick of the eye, as the farmer is actually standing behind the cattle, but then this is taken literally as up-close parts of faces and bodies are meshed within clips of fur in a way that connects these two animals, both figuratively and literally. We see the mud and snow on these people as well, another shared piece of the outdoor scene that they have in common with the herd. These two visuals have now melded, and the film is complete, showing clips of the farmers at work before ending with a few more visuals of the circular corral, within which the cows now stand still and calm. Personally, cows are my favorite animal, and to this end I might hold a slight bias, but the visual and auditory elements of this film aren't something to be missed, which is why I wholly enjoyed this short and suggest people give it a watch. It's available for viewing on the NFB YouTube account and Facebook page completely free of charge. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this review of Nettie Wilde's documentary short film, Roundup. And have a good rest of your day.
2: What is this? CITR 101.9 FM.
0: A center for ants!
2: What? We're a radio station broadcasting from UBC Vancouver.
0: How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even
2: fit inside the building? Visit citr.ca. Derek, it's just- a I don't want
0: to hear your excuses. The center has to be at least
3: three times bigger than this.
2: To prevent the spread of coronavirus 2019 or COVID-19, social distancing and self-isolation measures have been recommended. Here are some tips for managing your mental health while working from home, in self-isolation, quarantined, having to be home due to loss of employment, or just having to be home more than usual, according to at counseling for all seasons on Instagram. Try to create a structure or routine for your day. Structure helps us feel a sense of normalcy and control, and this is especially important during a time with a lot of unknowns. Routines do not have to be about productivity. Take a nap, go for a walk, or read a book. Remember to have regular meals and hydrate. This can add to a regular routine and both of these can contribute to mood changes. If it's possible, get outside. If it's possible, get outside or open your windows. Fresh air and natural light can be beneficial to mental health. Don't be afraid to go outside. Just make sure you're observing basic social distancing. Stick to a sleep routine. Both lack of sleep and excess sleep can increase anxiety and depression. Keep up with personal hygiene and chores. Skipping personal hygiene routines can affect our moods, so try to shower, etc. even though you're not going out. Keeping your space tidy and clean can help with mental health, but it'll also contribute to preventing the spread of COVID-19. It's two birds, one stone. Remember to connect with loved ones. We might not be able to see people face to face, but that doesn't mean that those relationships are any less meaningful or important. Connection is vital to our mental health, especially in times that can feel full of despair.
3: 80s. What's not to love? The War on Drugs, The Russian Threat, and John Bon Jovi. My name is Eva Drowdy. I am a correspondent here in the art support, and I would like to talk to you a little bit about a movie I watched recently set in the 80s. It is called 18 to Party, and as of yesterday, it was released on all major streaming platforms. Yes, so if it sounds like something you might enjoy, go take a look. In this 80 minute feature film, directed by Jeff Rhoda, which is his de- directorial debut, I may add, was part of the official selections of Woodstock Film Festival 2019 and other various film festivals this year. It's called 18 to Party. It takes place in the 80s in a nondescript town USA, where the adults are interested in UFO conspiracy and neglecting their children, and the teens are left to grapple with the suicide epidemic of their peers. In a nutshell, this film follows a group of grade 8s that are camped out behind the local nightclub waiting for their turn to be let in after the big kids. Among them is Shell, a theater kid turned soccer player, Missy, always plugged into her cassette player, and Kira, who speaks for the dissatisfied liberals. The characters are left waiting for hours to clash and give a narrative through the eyes of preteens to the world that they're living in. It reads as an homage to the 1980s, and 18 to Party bears a striking resemblance in tone, pace, and theme to classic coming of age films of the decade, like I'm thinking The Outsiders, The Breakfast Club. And notably Stand By Me. It kind of follows the same plot line essentially as Stand By Me in that it follows the events of a day where the entire movie is anticipation over one central objective and in Stand By Me that's to find the body of Ray Brower or in this movie to get into this club where all the older kids are partying. Right as I watched this movie a couple weeks ago, I was actually reading The Body by Stephen King, which is the book that Stand By Me is based off of, and I was noting a lot of very sim- like, similar aspects in this movie. So much like Stand By Me, no conversation between these preteens goes without just overwhelming cursing and no- unnecessary abrasiveness between each other, and I think it kind of reminded me of when I was 13 and learning how to try to speak like an adult. Uh, mo- more importantly, though, each conversation reveals another element of what it's like to have so much eagerness yet anxiety over growing up. Jeff Rhoda limits the background noise by maintaining the same setting for about 90% of the film, which is the back alley of this nightclub, and it kind of leaves space to unpack these complex issues and the trivial issues that feel complex of children who are trying to become adults. So like I said, the 80s, marked by Reaganomics, mass shootings, and public enemies fight the power, the headlines in Kira's Newspaper seem as relevant today as they were 40 years ago, which kind of left me with a feeling of what I can only describe as doom. I guess I mean wondering that if the mo- movements we spearhead today are the same ones young people were concerned about decades ago, maybe we are diseased at the structural level. Jeff Rhoda reflected on the 21st Century Times that eerily parallel events 40 years ago. He kind of he made a he made a statement saying There were seemingly, that there were seemingly weekly American school shootings throughout the making of the film didn't escape me. And that all of these shootings were perpetrated by young men, boys sometimes, it was hard to ignore as well. In recent years since Columbine, boys unable or unwilling to embody the media-defined and largely superficial idea of what a man is can sometimes become bitter and alienated. They can become dangerous. I wanted the male characters in 18 to Party to choose a different way, different path to find catharsis not in irreparable violence but in words and friendship so if you enjoy these kinds of storylines which are more thematic than event-based then definitely check out 18 to party i will say that this isn't generally my cup of tea i remember reading waiting for godot in high school if any one of you had read that book it's or short story play it's kind of no event really happens. It's just about the conversations and themes that they reveal in the space when there should be events. you know what I mean? So I remember not really enjoying that. however, i will I will say that the genre of this was kind of necessary to subtly develop some of the major themes, especially for example, how in one of the in one way or another, everyone is kind of dealing with family abandonment. And there are so many themes and conversations happening in this film that it must have taken a lot of tact to weave them all into the story without creating a jumbled, non-linear mess. I think Rhoda has proved his worth as a director, and I will be excited to see what else he comes out with in the future. Another little side note, and I feel like it would be a disservice not to mention... The cast is strikingly young, but a couple of them were absolutely fantastic. So especially for me, I was blown away by the performance given by James Friedson Jackson. He plays Lanky, who's this kind of troubled uh, 13-year-old boy, smoking cigarettes, seems a little bit kooked out, and his older brother had just committed suicide as part of this epidemic that I spoke about. So he's not doing so well, and the character is fantastic, and uh, James his name. Uh, had a lot of room to kind of play with it. I think he did a wonderful job. I'll be definitely keeping my eye out for him in the in the years to come. If you want to watch 18 to Party, it is, as of yesterday, available on all major streaming platforms. I have more to talk to you about. Stick with me. We're going to change gears into music, which is my favorite topic. This week was busy for me. I also watched a live stream performance from The Rickshaw. And this was a performance by The Pack A.D., which is a really awesome, I guess, punk rock, garage rock punk blues rock all of the above i don't know what it is but they're badass it's comprised of two women maya miller on drums and becky black on guitar and she's also the singer it's only two two people but the music that they create is so full sounding it feels like there's a whole band there Uh, i was watching in a room with another person and he goes oh my god this band is great and i'm like yeah i know it's just two girls and he goes what it sounds like four people i know crazy anecdote but that's what happened so like I said yes the two chicks Maya Miller and Becky Black and they're actually from our downtown east side in Vancouver they were formed in 2006 and this is their eighth studio album that they're celebrating it's called it was fun while it lasted and I listened to all of their albums some more in depth than others but this is probably my favorite I think it's a toss-up I really liked a couple other ones but no, I think it's this one. So definitely check it out. Uh, it was really worthwhile for me. I would say if I could explain this band to you in any way, I would say that it's like the rebel middle sibling of Band of Skulls and the White Stripes. So show up my alley. I dug it every single minute. Every song is banger. I'm. I think you'd probably be wondering how it doesn't get boring that there's only two artists playing on stage at one time and there's no like looping, there's no backtracks, it's just the two of them and maybe like some reverb pedals, but it's just the two of them and I think it's carried by a Maya's just I would describe her drum style as relentless, just hammering the drums, she had maracas, just going crazy. And also by Becky's very interesting vocals. It's very layered. There's lots of things to focus on all at once. And she's not just singing, there's lots of stylistic choices that make everything very interesting. For example, she's got a really great range of, she's got this high breathy tone, but then the one that she uses most is this low, very full, dark sounding tone, and I love it. It's perfect for the kind of music that they sing. Uh, She also, if you guys have ever listened to the Cranberries, like Dolores O'Riordan, do you know how she does that really high, lilting, Celtic-styled voice? Becky kind of has that too, and it's just a lot of little things that make the, the performance more intricate and interesting to listen to. They sound a little grungy at times, too. Very early 2000s rock band. I mean, it makes sense that they're from the downtown east side, that they're from Vancouver, because it feels very west coast. I could see them playing some dive bar in Seattle in the 90s, 100%. She even has that kind of quavery vocal tone like Eddie Vedder does that I kind of associate with grunge. So, like I'm saying very interesting group that I haven't really heard a sound quite like before. I can compare it to the White Stripes to maybe even like Metric and Band of Skulls but it's not. It's its own thing and I think that's very cool. I also really enjoyed that they had a great stage presence. It was funny because they—they they, Maya is the drummer and Becky is the one who does all the vocals but Maya was the more prominent figure when it came to crowd interaction and she's very very funny. She had this like dry humor kind of in between songs little quips. Um and Becky was quite quiet which I thought was a funny reversal. Um but they did Maya did mention hey it's kind of weird like where are you looking? Are you looking at pretending there's a crowd here? It's it's strange. And they kind of lent into the fact that this is a live stream. It's not normal. It's not what you're used to as an as a performer. And she made it funny. So I think that you should always, if there's an elephant in the room, you got to address it. Especially as a performing artist, it's all about improv and, and you're not, you got to lean into the circumstances. So I think they did a good job. But on another note, it is a live stream and I know that sometimes people might associate that, at least I did when I first went into this whole COVID thing and looking into live stream performances and it's how I can support my art scene. I was kind of thinking, oh, a live stream, is it gonna kind of read as a, as a rehearsal? Like, is are people gonna take it seriously when it's just a video? And this was probably the most polished live stream performance I, I've seen. It felt like a video someone had taken at a concert, like a real concert. No one was sacrificing any kind of quality. Did not feel like rehearsal. It felt like they're really giving you the energy. So clearly I really like this band, uh, but I kind of wanted to talk about what the experience was of discovering a new band in this live stream format versus what it was like to discover a new band live at the show. Because that was always something, I love to go see bands that I'd never heard of before. And if it was a venue that I liked, I would just show up one day and or I'd buy tickets on a day that I had a day off work or it was a weekend. And it was so much fun because you get in there and the atmosphere is great and everyone's stoked and, you know, maybe you're drinking. But, like, it's so fun and it kind of breeds you're so excited to just be there with other people and share a moment that it makes the music better. And I always find bands that I'm obsessed with in the moment. Um, And it makes me kind of remember that moment when I go back to listen to the music later. And it just creates such such an appreciation for the band that I don't think would have been as strong had I not seen them live for the first time. So that i thought was going to be lacking when i went into a concert in the live stream format that i'd never heard the band before i thought hey like who's actually going to be going to see this this live stream unless you are already a fan of the band like me but absolutely i was wrong (laughs) i was completely wrong this is probably my favorite band that i've discovered this year and i'm so glad that i kind of put that aside and, and gave it a chance anyways i've been harping all semester about how important it is to support your local music scene and support your arts, all these venues that are struggling. But it's not just a charity act. This is important, I think, to keep getting yourself immersed in what's out there. Especially for me, I love I love knowing what's going, around, going on locally and it, it definitely had the same effect on me. I was so excited. I know that it, it wasn't the same. I was in my bedroom sitting down. <laughs> But it it got me stoked. And when I'm listening to these uh, songs again, these albums, I still have that reference that I I usually would have with a live show of, oh, I remember seeing that one live-ish. And I remember what she did, she had these, she altered the vocals here in the live performance and it still had that engagement for me that I used to get at live shows, if that makes sense. So I think it's still worthwhile. You should check out these things. There's lots going on in Vancouver and you might find a band that is your absolute favorite of the year. Like I kind of, I'm kind of thinking. They're uh, they're a front runner for favorite band discovered this year. And The Rickshaw, let's talk about that. So I know this is so sacrilegious to say, but I've never been to a live show at The Rickshaw. I know, gasps, but just some context. I'm 19 and I had, my I'm a December baby. So I had like two months of legal, legality in, in Vancouver before COVID hit. And I was not, I was not trying to sneak into the rickshaw. That scared me. So I had never been. Um, And this was kind of my first, first live show at the rickshaw, I guess, air quotes. I don't know. But I really, I really enjoyed my viewing experience. They had like a bunch of different cameras that weren't stationary. So it created this cool like MTV documentary vibe where they kind of do these quick pans and zooms during the performance. It felt kind of retro the, the video style and they they didn't just it wasn't just one camera pointed at the at the artist because that's not how you'd experience a live show if you were actually there. you're moving around jumping around people are shoving you. So there was that movement and I think that was important into the viewing experience for me. I wasn't bored and it didn't feel like I just clicked on a YouTube video. Production was great. They had a light show and everything, hazy stage like it would be if it was a real, if it was a real, pardon me, if it was a real show, I shouldn't say that, if it was a real live show. I would say hands down this is the best COVID livestream production that I've seen, and I've seen a few now. It just really didn't compare. The Rickshaw did a wonderful job, and I think that that mainly comes down to the fact that they lent into the fact that we are not live, and they weren't pretending that we were, I think it's a marker of a good artist that you create, not despite circumstances, but you let those circumstances be a catalyst for new creation. It's a new genre. This is a new genre of live stream. You let your way of art be influenced by the circumstances. You're not trying to work around it. And so with that, what they did was they created a little intro piece, piece before the girls went on stage. You saw them walking behind stage and there's a couple, there's a bit of a script there and it felt good because we know it's not live they weren't trying to hide that fact. They also had a fun little after afterthought which was um like I guess bonus bonus features is the best way to put it. So we had a sneak peek. We got to see their new video of for the song reprogram off their new album and it's a really disturbing cool video. I loved it, but I did feel like, "Oh, I'm an insider. You know, I'm seeing this, but all those pack fans out there, they don't know what this is going to be like for another couple months or whatever it is." So They they took the situation we're in, said, okay, we know it's not live. Here's what we're going to do to make it better. But we're not going to skimp on authenticity either. I think they created a different genre of how live performance is supposed to look. So if you're interested in in this kind of live stream format that the Rickshaw is putting out, they've got shows happening all this week. They got one tomorrow with uh, Danny Rebel and the KGB. I really like them. It's kind of reggae, but a bit weird. I love it. And then the day after, they've got Ray Cowboys. I also really like this band. They describe themselves as Psychobilly Punk Rock and Roll Band, which make of that what you will. They're from Edmonton, so support your Canadians. And they've got one on the 6th, and they've got one next weekend, and the weekend after that. So look into it, see if there's anything going on that you like. It's not just gonna be like you're watching a YouTube video, they put a lot of effort into it at the rickshaw. And it's important. I'll take a shot every time Eva says this. Remember to support your local art scene friends. It's so great. We're so blessed to live where we live and have access to such cool bands. You know, in 10 years, we're going to be bragging about the kinds of shows that we went and saw. So that's the way I look at things. Get every experience in, take advantage of the artistic resources all around us and our beautiful artistic community, because the stories you're going to have from this time 10 years from now, who knows? You might have seen the next Nirvana. Your kids are going to be so pissed off at you, so... If that's not motivation, I don't know what is. So we've covered 18 to Party, we've covered the rickshaw and the pack ad and we're wrapping up our semester here at the art support. This is our final show before winter break, December 2nd, and we'll be back in the new year. Uh, so it had been suggested that we kind of cover our favorite, like do a little recap of this semester at the art support. So it's just me and Sarah today. She's got a couple of reviews for you as well, and And I've done my reviews, so it's just gonna be the two of us talking about our favorite things from the semester. But I've worked on a few items here. This is my first term working with art support, and it has been so much fun. And it's been really exciting for me to get to work in the field that I enjoy, which is music, and it's not a well-covered topic in the art support. And by that I mean like we're pretty much allowed to cover whatever arts interests us personally, and it just happens that in my cohort, people are more down for like the plays and and Sarah's super into dance and Nico's really into reading and um, I know that Silvana covers a lot of the Chan Center stuff so we've all kind of got our own sections that we're really like our sectors that we're really excited about so anyways all that aside I've got to cover a lot of music stuff which is where my heart is definitely at and that has been so fun for me so my first ever project that I worked on here at the art support was my favorite And that was that interview, if you watched, with Black Pontiac. And Black Pontiac is one of my favorite bands, local Vancouver underground bands. I think they're really exciting. I think they're going to be the next big thing in the next couple of years. So I feel really honored to not only be involved in in the music scene and get to see them live right now when they're just small, but also to get to have met them and to speak to them and hear a little bit about their writing process and what's coming up next and get a sneak peek about I I got to listen to their song before it was released, which, man oh man, like high school me was shaking. I was so excited. Uh, (laughs) So it's been cool. It's been a lot of different opportunities that I didn't think I was gonna have working at my college radio station. Uh, That was probably the coolest because it also was my first interview that I'd ever done, uh, Obviously for the radio station since I <laughs> just started being here, um, and I, I think that it was a learning experience for me and kind of how to structure an interview where I could give the the respondents time to kind of answer their own questions and get there and and have the majority of the airspace or the airtime. I was honestly freaked out before I got into this interview it was on Zoom, which is super awkward. I like interaction and I like being able to see people, so it was weird. But then. The minute we started talking, it was so easy. They're super lovely guys. Um, Yeah, very easy to talk to, very funny. And I think that the interview went really well. And it was interesting. I know that there's not a lot of meat to these kinds of interviews right now. Because, I mean, what's happening? (laughs) We're not doing live shows. I can't talk about what live shows are coming up. And I can't review live shows and, and all these things. So we're kind of making do with what we've got. But it was still an interesting interview. We got to talk about their EP that they released this year, which was Pony Boy, and we got to talk about their upcoming single, which came out with Soda Pop Rock. They even teased a little project that's coming out in the future, so there's always something to talk about, and there's always kind of questions I had about previous work. So even though it wasn't that groundbreaking, we weren't, uh, <laughs> weren't solving any mysteries of the universe, it was still super fun for me. And that would be my favorite thing that I did at the Arts Support this year. And I'm not going to say that the pack ad I'm not going to throw that one up there on my favorite thing because you've just heard me ramble about how much I love it. So clearly that's not a secret. I really like this band. I really like this band. Oh, I should check so I can have some concrete recommendation for you because I was saying you need to listen to the 2016 album. What's it called? Positive Thinking. Positive Thinking by the pack ad 2016. Oh my god, so good. Uh, Anyways. That's a side remark. I wanted to also give a notable mention to the Heart of the City Festival. That was really fun because um, i had been feeling quite cooped up lately, as everyone has. That's that's, wow, Eva, you're yeah, very unique. But yeah, I was feeling very cooped up, and the Heart of the City Festival was really fun because I think they did a great job doing a bunch of live stream things so that for the majority of the festival could be enjoyed. From the comfort and safety of your own home, it's important. You have to adapt your... I know it's a thing they do every year, and so they did a fantastic job of adapting to in coherence with the guidelines set out by our province and public health orders. So props to them. I I did three different things. So one was an online performance, one was an in-person performance, and one was a kind of little scavenger hunt that I did around the city. So it was great because I kind of got to spread... I got to try all of the kind of types of things that they offered in the, in the festival. Livestream was fantastic. That was great. I cannot complain about that. It was Delana Gelbone. She was really wonderful. And I've since downloaded one of her albums. And then, but what I liked was the opportunity to get out. And if you were on the downtown east side or if you're just downtown or whatever, you could engage with the festival in person too, which is important. I think it's important to... If you can get out and do things safely and separated, my friend Natalia came with me and she's a photographer. So we brought our cameras and we made a whole day of it. It was really nice. And it was a safe way to do it because we went and saw the Hastings Street Band, which just played outside of the Woodwards building. So her and I sat on this bench and we were separated and we had our masks on. And it was was great. Felt like a good compromise because I I'm, I want to go to a physical festival, and that's not a thing that can happen, but they did a great job of almost doing it. So those would be my, my favorite. Black Pontiac, Heart of the City Festival is cool, and you know I love the, the pack AD now, so we've we've had some good times here. I'm really excited. I, I, I'm i excited for 2021. I know we all are. Hopefully things get better, but I'm excited for 2021 in terms of arts. I cannot wait to see what we end up covering on the art support. And I hope you guys stick with us because Vancouver, we are so lucky to live here, to have the kind of artistic community that we do, and it's only going to get better. Only good things are coming. Okay, thanks for listening to me talk, as always. And I'm going to pass it back to Sarah now. Uh, Stay safe, everyone.
1: Thank you, Eva, for those reviews. We are back, but we're going to go into a quick Adam PSA break, and then I'll be back talking about theater to play and also the 12 dates of Christmas, and then a quick recap of the term. See ya! <laughs> theory, You're
2: you see, listening Mike, to CITR 101.9 FM about Vancouver. And we know That's how right. magnets work. That's right.
0: If
3: magic is all we've ever known, then it's easy to miss what really goes on. But I've seen miracles in every way, and I see miracles every
1: day.
2: Transcare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming, client-centered models of service, ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community.
1: welcome back everyone hello also talking about trans care did you guys see elliot's page pages that's difficult for some reason post on him coming out as a trans i am so proud of him i love 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 elliot page and the umbrella academy so it's you know it's great that he's able to express himself as he is now okay so on to my reviews so first of all we have theater the play by studio 58 it's their latest production it's written and directed by Ryan Bale and Mark Chavez so the title is theater the play what does that entail at the most basic level It follows a theater festival, bar and grill, yes, festival, bar and grill, (laughs) trying to produce a hit show because they don't want to be shut down. For a more detailed explanation, I'm just going to read it from Studio 58's website. So Dudley, the festival's intrepid artistic director, throws out all the stops in an attempt to stage a masterpiece, the likes of which the theater world has never seen. Macbeth war on Christmas, (laughs) but can the cast and crew deal with their personal demons before the punters show up? Theater the play is both a love letter and a cheeky middle finger to the world of theater asking, why would anyone work in this unforgiving and unstable field of make believe? So again. I will be doing my review in separate sections in order to be more organized and easier to understand because I tend to forget the beginning of sentences and never get to finish some thoughts that maybe were important. You know, I'll start off with the stream itself. It was live streamed on YouTube and then move on to the set lighting and sound and then the actors and overall the play so first of all the stream was pretty nice it was again as i said live streamed on youtube so there was a live chat which was fun everyone was hyping it up before it started i um, saw the end at the end that there were some comments written during the stream i had the stream in full screen so i didn't see the chat but apparently there was some stuff going on not a lot, I mean it was just people commenting on things. <laughs> and I said this with the VIDF live streams too. Having a live chat is very cool. You get to read what others are thinking, how they interpret some things, you know, maybe differently, maybe the same as you. So it's very interesting. Also, there were closed captions, which is a huge plus. It helped me a lot as a non-native speaker class. Closed captions or subtitles are a Always appreciate it so secondly uh, there's not much to say more about the stream itself so I'm just gonna move on to the set the set was interesting to say the least because and I don't mean this in a bad way it's not like hmm, it was interesting I mean it like actually it was interesting because all of the actors had to be socially distancing by the way they were all wearing masks throughout the whole thing so the set and props were organized around them. I hope this makes sense there it's not like they had sets and props around them it's more like they had their own things <laughs> so there weren't big set pieces like you would have in most live productions they had seats and microphones so every actor had their own microphone to which they talked and I have never seen that before so I found it to be very creative and a good change of pace also the mics were standing ones they did not feel out of place even though they basically the actors were just talking into mics they were i mean they would also of course talk to each other like look at each other but they were talking into microphones and i i just feel like they really fit in with the way that this was filmed also the mics could also be handheld But generally, the actors were using their hands for, you know, either props or acting (laughs) or the sounds, which I will be getting into now. So the sounds were made by the actors on stage. This was really cool. It was a great revelation to me when I figured it out because I was so shocked. I can't even tell you. Like, I started watching it. The sounds, yes, pretty cool. And then... There was this one specific specific scene where a character was um, ha- had a gavel, and there was like a knocking sound. Right, a gavel makes a knocking sound, and then the actor right next to him was making that sound. And I was like, "Wait, <laughs> are all of the sounds being done by the actors on stage?" And the answer is they were executed really well not a single sound cue was missed also they found some ways to make some specific sounds which i would not have been able to do in a million years personally so Kudos to whoever thought of ways to make the sounds used in a show. I thought that was really cool. And then um, moving on to the actors. They were all amazing. Everyone played multiple characters. And in some instances, the filming and editing was done so well that it felt like the same person was in two different places. So, for example... There's a scene where a character named Spider with a Y (laughs) is introduced but the person who plays Spider is also playing another character who's in the same scene and the editing was so seamless that it felt like the two characters were actually played by different people. I mean, this also has to do a lot with the actors' skills because, you know, all of them were able to portray different characters convincingly. And with the editing, it was just amazing. Uh, Some funny things I wrote down in my notes that I think deserve to be mentioned are the characters Glenn and the dynamic between Dudley and Sandy. So Glenn, oh my God, I would die for Glenn. What a wholesome and funny character. It was perfectly portrayed by Harmony Yen. It, great, awesome, ten out of ten. And then Dudley and Sandy—they were a funny pair. I wrote um in quotes: "Sandy is the Sharpay to Dudley's Miss Darbus." If you have not seen High School Musical, this does not make sense to you. I'm so sorry about that. But Dudley was giving off big Miss Darbus vibes from High School Musical, and then Sandy talking to Dudley about his character in the play Macbeth, A War, and Christmas reminded me a lot of Sharpay. <laughs> I loved it. Also, there's a character called Kevin. And I just want to mention, if you know High School Musical and you're understanding what I'm talking about, Kevin was the Gabriella in this trio. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. If you have seen High School Musical, you'll definitely know what I mean when you watch this. If you haven't, you you should. <laughs> They're both amazing. You should both watch High School Musical and Theater to Play. It was amazing. Also, an honorable mention to the character Spike, riding Spike with tape on the floor throughout the play. I, I, I loved it. Okay, overall, I loved this. I loved it so much. It's definitely worth the watch. Also, it's free, so you have no reason not to watch it. You can just go on the website and watch it. It's right there. Um also there was a talk back after the live stream and I would like to mention that the actors were uh, as I like mentioned before but I want to mention again the actors were wearing masks at all times during the performance so you couldn't see most of their faces right it was just their eyes basically and in the talk back someone I don't recall who I'm so sorry said um it's amazing how much you can get across with so little and I thought that was just a great comment on this play in general because it's not just about the mask, but also not being able to stand next to another character like and next to another actor, not being able to interact with them as you would with normal performances, you know, pre-COVID. There was just so many restrictions, but they crushed them all. It's truly amazing how much they got across with such little... Um. definitely please go watch it until December 6th, 6th, it's at Studio 58's website. Again, for free, you have no reason not to watch it. Okay, moving to the 12 Dates of Christmas. So this is the last show of the year for the arts club. So of course, it's a Christmas themed one. The 12 Dates of Christmas is about Mary who re-enters the dating world just a month after seeing her fiancé kiss another woman on national TV. Going on dates that range from comical to bad to comically bad, Mary grows increasingly pessimistic until she meets someone who changes her outlook on life. This is a one-woman play so it's double cast i watched melissa wee so i will not be commenting on genevieve fleming's performance because i have not seen her perform so i want to say that i liked it i really did so if you're looking for a christmas themed play to watch definitely check this out you can stream it online at artsclub.com until january 3rd but i will say that i think This would have been a better experience for me, either if it was in person or if it was filmed and edited better. They are very important, like editing and filming. It's very important when you're streaming a performance online, which I mean, especially after watching theater to play, I could see the difference so clearly. I think the execution was so well done in theater the play both the filming was really good it felt it fit in with the play and then the editing was also very well done all of the cuts had a purpose but what I saw with this one is that the the filming and the editing could have been better there were some like cuts some jumps to different angles in unnecessary parts in like the middle of the sentence there were cuts which i think is you know just puts you out of it and then some shots were blurry you know not for a long time for like two seconds but even those two seconds of blurriness really pull you out of it you just i know disconnect and it can really affect your experience so i feel like if i were to see this in person or if this was filmed and edited better it would have been so much better it's a shame that it wasn't (laughs) but despite all of this i stand by what i said when i said that i liked it because i think melissa Wee did a really good job portraying the many characters that she did the set was great as always when it comes to the arts club the lighting and sound immaculate. I think my favorite parts about this production were the props and the use of lighting with the sound. In the very beginning when she was watching the TV, when, you know, she saw her fiance kissing another woman on national TV, there wasn't an actual TV on stage. She was facing the audience, but they conveyed it through the light and sound and it was so cool. I don't know how I can explain this without sounding vague, so I'd say, you know, check it out for yourself and be amazed by the job that Sophie Tang and Kate DeLorme did, who are the lighting and sound designers respectively. So the props, oh my god, the way the props were handled on stage and the way they were brought on stage was very cool. They were pretty great. I won't say much because I don't want to give spoilers on that because it's very interesting, especially the first time that one of the <laughs> one of the many times like the first of the many times that uh prop was brought onto stage it was very i thought unique and fun so you know i'm not going to say more i want you to see it for yourself some parts that i really enjoyed were the use of the christmas tree to switch characters although okay Not gonna lie, I think this was only done once, but I loved it so much. It was so smooth. Also, Melissa did a really good job portraying the characters Sally and also the main character, Mary, drunk. 10 out of 10 drunk. So the story itself... I personally thought it could be better. This is not a comment on the arts club. It's just my thought on the plot. <laughs> Halfway through, I thought it was going to turn into a lesbian love story, so I got excited by that, but um, spoiler alert, it did not. No lies, I was kind of disappointed by the ending. You may like it. I personally did not. I mean, yes, it's it's a it's like a happy ending. But at the same time, there could there are so many ways this could have gone and I'm disappointed that the playwright chose this as the ending. Okay, overall, the production was very good. I think everyone did a great job. Also, I want to mention the director because there were some choices that I really enjoyed and thought was very good, like decisions, such as the three ones I just mentioned. So shout out to Barbara Tomaszek for directing. And um, I just want to say, even though I was disappointed by the filming and editing and also the playwright's decision on the ending, I, I think it's worth checking out. The Arts Club really always does a really good job. And everyone in the crew and Melissa, did a an amazing job so i'm gonna finish off this review with a quote from the play as one thing dies and fades away something else is coming i'm not sure if that was word for word but you get the gist of it when one door closes another one opens and that's pretty cool it's a good it's a good message also 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 oh my god i want to say both of the plays i just reviewed so theater the play and the twelve dates of christmas they both mentioned macbeth in some way so in theater the play they were producing macbeth a war on christmas which was hilarious oh my god you have to watch theater the play and in the 12 dates of christmas mary got hired to play lady macbeth in macbeth i thought this was really funny it was a really funny coincidence considering the curse of macbeth in theater If you don't know what it is, basically, it's believed that you shouldn't say the word Macbeth inside a theater and instead refer to it as the Scottish play. Because if you don't, you will be cursed because it's the curse of Macbeth and bad things will happen. So hearing like Macbeth from both of them was really funny to me. They're just in a theater, you know, saying Macbeth all around. And I'm like, no, the curse, don't do it. (laughs) But alas, they did so very quickly. I just want to say it has been twenty twenty has been difficult, but I hope we've been able to make it a little better for you. My favorite parts were my interview with Shelby Weminga and Kira Norris from Little Women the audio play. Check out that interview from November eleventh, and then also I. Really liked the Dolls House project by Studio Fifty Eight, so that was very fun. And I interviewed Sierra Haynes for the Dolls House project, and that interview is on October seventh. So, and the the interview that Eva mentioned with Black Pontiac is on October twenty eighth. So check those out; they're amazing. All of our Recorded episodes, not just record episodes. I mean, we record all of our episodes, they're all podcasted. You can find every episode we've ever done at citr.ca forward slash radio forward slash arts dash report forward slash. Okay, that's very long. I am aware. You can just go to citr.ca, search up arts report, and it will show up. <laughs> or you could go to our social media, we have links in our bios. But yeah, um, I hope. I hope 2021 will be better for all of us. We will be back here. I will be talking to you about art again in 2021. That's not going to change. I hope you have a fun Christmas if you celebrate that. And and a Happy New Year from the Arts Report family to yours. Happy New Year, folks. I know it's very early. I know it's December 2nd, but I'm not going to talk to you until January. So Happy New Year. <laughs>